When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network. I am your host, Callan Elsinger, joined as always by my friends Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. And guys, let's just say that I'm liking you more than I'm liking the Toronto Blue Jays today. How you guys doing? Yeah, it's uh, that's been a feisty uh, series, to say the least, between your guys, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. Um, it's, you know, becoming a new rivalry within that division, yeah. I really appreciate that compliment. You know, I I, I knew it was hard for you to put us over the rival Blue Jays. You know, I, it took me a few weeks of talking to you guys to put you guys over the Dodgers. But, you know, we got there. We got there. So I'm glad we eventually surpassed your your favor for the, the Blue Jays. <laughs> yes, I think we've done enough shows where you guys can get to, to that level. But on a non-Yankee fans side... It's fun for baseball seeing these two teams go at him. As a fan of one of the two teams, this has been a. I think I might be growing going gray. I need to ask my girlfriend next time I see her. If, am I grayer now that that the series is almost over? As I'm watching the Yankees sweat out a three-two lead with a uh, half their bullpen unavailable. But you're not here to listen to me talk about the Yankees and the Blue Jays. You're here to go through the bullpen. So on today's episode, we're going to do our usual. We're going to go through some of the latest news and notes, a lot of exciting things, including our prodigal son, Pete Fairbanks, returning, but not to the best starts, but we'll get into that and more. We'll dive into some of the little debates as to closers we want to roster the rest of the season, go through each division, just kind of do a little best closer debate since it's a lighter mood. And of course, we'll wrap up with another episode of Name That Closer. So we'll start off with some of the news and notes. We'll start with the injuries. The big, the big one is we did lose one of our more consistent closer. AJ Puck has been placed on the 15-day day IL with nerve irritation in his left elbow. No full timetable for his return, but the nice thing for the Marlins is that they seem to have one guy they're going to, and it's not a committee. I think we know who's going to be taking that job, so... Rick, who's your current favorite for the Marlins saves and anybody you want to roster for holds considering that they're 14 and one in one run game so far? Yeah, it looks like they've gone right to Dylan Floro, which makes sense. He's got closer experience. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys who he's like, I, he might be, what's what's Nick's term for a to Holly is like the ultimate Toby. Like I feel like Floro mm-hmm. is just like the steady, he's never going to wreck your ratios, but he's not going to strike anyone out. So it's, it's not, you know, it's not the funnest guy to roster, but he is one of the safest, you know, options out there. And that goes for even when Puck returns for holds leagues, he's going to still be in the mix there. Uh, I was big on Hugh Oscar Brazavan, but he's, he's kind of, he's hit a little bit of a rough patch recently. Um, you know, Tanner Scott, we know, we kind of know the deal with him. He's hot and cold the, every other week. Um, but if you get him, you know, on a, on a good week, you, you're going to get, you know, seven plus Ks and some uh, some saves or holds and, you know, decent ratios. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, I think once they get healthy, like this this pitching staff as in general is going to be, it's a tough division, obviously, but there's a good, there's a good, um, good staff here from, you know, between st- the starters and the bullpen. So uh, I, it sounds like Puck should be back soonish. It doesn't seem like he's going to be out more than the maximum 15 days. So, or the minimum 15 days. So um, yeah, the, the, I, I guess Floro is not really a must add in any leagues because of how quick Puck could return. But um, you know, those, those leagues where you're struggling for saves, those roto leagues, then you, you, you're going to want to pick up Floro for now. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be subject to any sort of platoon like we've seen in the past. We saw this sort of last year with between Floro and, and Tanner Scott as Scott's the southpaw there. Uh, Floro, in the first game that he got a save last Sunday, he faced a switch hitter and three righties. And then on Wednesday, he faced uh, a switch hitter, a lefty, and whatever Ildemaro Vargas is. Um, 
loading, loading. Switch, switch, switch hitter. Switch hitter, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he faced a lefty and two switch hitters there. So that, there you would have normally used a, a, a lefty. I, I'm not really uh, sure what the platoon splits are for Jimer Candelario and Ildemaro Vargas. Actually, I think Candelario is better versus lefties. But anyway, it doesn't seem like Floro is going to be used versus righties and Scott versus lefties. So I think Floro is probably the safe bet for at least another week. So definitely in like 15 team leagues, I will definitely see people considering him for a stream of a week it's nice that skip schumacher is making our job a little bit easier it seems like a lot of these teams when they lose their top closer they go into some sort of committee see the new york yankees at this point right now but it's nice to know that floro is the for sure guy and like you said if you need him in a 15 team league maybe in a 12 team and you need saves go get him but just make sure you stash aj puck i think once he's back he'll easily take that job and run with it but like rick said floro still will be rosterable for holds leagues on to the weekly arizona diamondback update uh, joe mantiply excuse me all-star joe mantiply was placed Thank on you. the 15 day il with a strained right hamstring we know he wasn't fully in the committee for saves but this gives us a good excuse to talk about the arizona diamondbacks and our read on that pen so jake we'll start with you what's your current read out in arizona Who's your favorite at this point, or is there even one? Yeah, it's uh, it's been sort of up and down throughout the season. I think everybody was really excited about Andrew Chafin early on, and with Mantiply coming back, it sort of allowed Chafin to not have to be used in sort of any lefty specialist role. I mean, they have other lefties in that bullpen as well. Kyle Nelson's really good, but Chafin is just striking out more batters than ever and was doing really well, but then he started struggling in the past couple of weeks. And that sort of seemed to take him out of safe situations and it turned him into more of a high leverage guy. And that allowed Miguel Castro to grab a couple of saves. I'm not super enamored by Castro this year. He's striking out just 21% of batters, which is exceptionally low, not only for him, but for uh, a shutdown reliever in general. So I don't have a lot of faith that this new version of Castro is going to be super effective throughout the year. And the fact that right now, over the past week, there's been three saves, two of them to Castro and one of them to Chafin suggests that Castro doesn't have the role all to himself. I'm not super excited to go out and get him though. If you do need saves, I think Chafin's probably rostered in the majority of leagues with the way that he's pitched. So if you're trying to either get ahead of sort of a transition of the role here or sort of do what we're seeing with Dylan Floro in Miami and just sort of stream a few saves, I think Castro is a good bet on that front, but don't expect him to avoid all of the blow ups or strike out all of the batters because that's not what he's been doing this year. But there's no competition outside of those two guys. I'm not really worried about Scott McGuff anymore or anybody else in that bullpen coming on to steal that role. So as long as Mant applies out, I think it's going to be between Castro and Chafin with Chafin in more of a high leverage role and maybe they'll sort of platoon it up in the ninth. Yeah. Do- Okay. I was gonna say, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think I still think Chafin's um, the favorite there, but yeah, it's gonna be you know if there's three righties coming up, you're gonna probably see Castro. Um, but yeah, their Mantiply going down really does thin things out for them because he was starting to really you know pick it up since he came back from his original IL stint. So yeah, now we're you know they still you know have some question marks behind Chafin and, and Castro right now. I was going to say, you think, does Castro go in, like you said, the same situation as Floro, get a 15-teamer, and if you're desperate for saves in a 12, maybe? Is that kind of where you're looking to pick him up at? Yeah, I think for for Castro, I'd probably keep that to like 15, 16-teamers, yeah. Um, I I don't think in 12-teamers... I'm ready yet, but um, it's like you said, I mean, that K rate is... It's not what you want from a closer. It's kind of, you know, questioning how how how, how long he can kind of hold this thing together. And you know, the ratios are fine now, but um, I'd still mm-hmm. rather Chafin. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think Castro and twelve teamers. If you're like streaming, uh, like I have a, a daily points league where you know, and anytime you have an open roster spot and you have a full lineup of hitters, then you just go and grab a reliever. And I think Castro is a great option for that because saves are going to get you a lot more points there. So that's sort of the the type of thing where it's like a daily league or, or a 12 teamer where you're like, I don't know, not really technically super desperate, desperate for, for saves, but you know, you, you don't have a, a strong save contingent and you have an open roster spot and there's not too many options on the wire. Then I think that's where Castro can fit. The nice thing for the Diamondbacks, they have two other lefties currently in their pen with Kyle Nelson and Anthony 
Mizowitz. I may butcher Misevich. the name. Misevich, thank you. So um, it's a good thing for him is that he won't be kind of like what we were worried about with Brandon Hughes early in the season, which we'll get to in just a few minutes, but but he could still keep the high leverage save of Tartuni. So I agree with you. Chafin's still the guy I'd want most, but in a 15-team teamer, I'm willing to take a, a flyer on Miguel Castro. I was intrigued by him early in the season. Hoping to get those K numbers up. I would agree with that. We'll run through the final three injuries real quick and you know see if any of them stand out for you. Brad Boxberger was placed on a 15-day IL with strained right forearm. We'll talk about the impact that has on the Cubs in just a moment. John Schreibler, 15-day IL with right lat tightness. And Ian Hamilton, who we hyped up last week as a potential hold candidate, he was placed on the 15-day IL with right groin strain because Domingo Herman could not use sticky stuff. So he uh, got ejected and forced Hamilton to come in rusty and strained his groin. So any of those moves sort of stand out to you on a, a fantasy level? What impact do those have specifically the Cubs and the Yankee bullpen for you guys? Um. Yeah, the Hamilton move definitely because that Yankees bullpen we talked about kind of before we started recording that the Yankees bullpen is really thin. They got Ryan Weber pitching in big big spots right now for them. Um, never want to see that. So yeah, Hamilton's a big loss there, and Boxberger. I don't think you know he's not. I don't think that should be a big deal for the Cubs, but uh, Schreiber for the Red Sox maybe. Um, you know, they've been re- leaning a lot on Josh Winkowski and, and a setup role. Um, I don't think Chris Martin's pitched in the past week, so it, they're, they're kind of, you know, hurting on themselves at the back end. But uh, hopefully, hopefully that's nothing too, too long for Schreiber. Hopefully he's back soon. Yeah, Martin pitched yesterday, but it, I think it does sort of push Winkowski up into more of a clear top holds option out of the Boston pen because Schreiber was sort of the only really trusted reliever out of there. I know Chris Martin's semi-trusted. He's got an ERA of 1.5, but he's honestly, he's striking out less than 20% of batters, but that's not nothing special <laughs> inside the, the Red Sox bullpen. Everybody's striking out less than 20% of batters, which is pretty wild. So losing Schreiber as like your top strikeout guy and having Kenley at 29% being your top strikeout guy is not great. But yeah, I think it, these aren't super impactful in terms of fantasy mostly for saves plus holds leagues and uh i think winkowski is probably the biggest winner here yeah and i'll, I'll wrap up with the yankees with hamilton out he said it has moved weber and a break up to pecking order but it's more of a they had nobody left in today we've seen throughout this toronto series clay holmes has moved out completely out of the closer's job he's no longer a closer he is the high leverage get the middle of the order out in the seventh inning big spots the Yankees has been using all along leaving guys like michael king and wandy peralta to pick up the saves so while king's the guy we're hyping up i'll throw wandy peralta in as a 15 teamer streamer sort of with the miguel castro's below dylan floro but if you're looking to take a flyer on someone he's got three saves lately so i don't think wandy peralta is someone that He's someone to get if you're really desperate for saves, you want to take a flyer, he can get you one or two during a week with how uh, the Yankees are currently using their, their pens. So keep an eye on that, especially with Hamilton out. On in the transactions, we'll start off in Chicago since we were just talking about them. Brandon Hughes was activated from the 15 DIL with left knee inflammation, and they also recalled Jeremiah Estrada. While we didn't have doesn't have an impact, at least a Boxberger injury doesn't for how the Cubs are using their pen. Does Hughes coming back uh, affect how you guys are viewing the Cubs pen? We did see him get a save opportunity. I believe it was either Wednesday or Tuesday night. Yeah, it was the other night and he failed to convert, but that wasn't entirely his fault. He kind of came into a tough situation, but it's good to see them trusting him in uh, big spots. I, I I think before the this last time, this, this last time he was on the IL, I kind of was getting excited for him possibly returning to the closer role, but um yeah that's the situation right now that's the one it's the one team where i still you know it's someone different every week it looks like and uh, it might just be that way the rest of the year because they do have some you know they do have good options there their their bullpen's not there's no lack of talent it's just finding roles for everyone and consistency really who's yeah sorry um i when when Hughes got recalled, I think the the first thought that I had was now that now Mark Leiter can be the closer because the the thing with Mark Leiter when Hughes was out was he was sort of the lefty specialist. Rick has pointed out in in the last few podcasts that Leiter has reverse splits, so that allows him to sort of be the 
lefty specialist as a right-hander, which is somewhat weird, a little funky, but that's what you have to do when you don't have any lefties. And now that Hughes is back, Mark is not, Leiter's not the only guy that can get left-handers out at an above average rate. So now that sort of leaves him to just be the best reliever in the bullpen. He has been thus far Uh, in terms of ERA. He's right up there with Adbert Alzale and he's got the highest strikeout rate in that bullpen. Uh, among anybody with at least six innings pitch, he's up to 38% just about. And so I, I think that's the the impact of, of Hughes coming back. I don't think Hughes is going to be super impactful in terms of saves, but I think that does allow Mark Leiter Jr. into more save opportunities in the ninth. But I, I still like Alzale more, to be honest. You still like Alzale more? J- uh, Rick, who would you pick? Alzale or Leiter or someone else in this pen <laughs> if you had the roster one cup? <laughs> I mean, I like, I oh, like Alzale better than Leiter, but I do think Leiter is going to, if I had to guess who's going to get the more save chances in the next week or two, I would say lighter. Um, overall, I mean, I, I still, I know he's, it's hard with like, you know, relief prospects, but Estrada's back up. I would like to see him stick and, you know, kind of work his way into a setup role and then, you know, maybe potentially a closer role down the line. But um, yeah, I think for the short term, I think it's lighter, but I, yeah, Alzale is my my favorite right now as far as who I would like to see in the role. Now on to what you've probably all been waiting for. We've made it 15 minutes. I'm impressed. We have not talked about Pete Fairbanks yet, but we ha- we must do it. Pete Fairbanks was activated in 15-day IL with right forearm inflammation. We're all excited. We're all rejoicing as guys who hyped him up all season, and he proceeds to blow his first save opportunity he gets for Tampa Bay. What's your current read out there? I know we talked about whether he would be in a committee if Jason Adam. What's your opinion on that? Do you, we think that Fairbanks leads the team in saves moving forward? Do they split? Who who do you want to roster if not both? Yeah, I think we're at a point right now where I, both probably should be rostered um, until we get some more clarity. It sounded like Fairbanks was going to you know return to the closer role once he get returned from the IL. So. I, you know, want to see, you know, at least give him a few weeks to to see how that works out and see what his stuff looks like. I mean, his vo- fastball velocity is still down a bit from last year. Um, I noticed when he came back, he only threw a slider and fastball. I didn't throw that splitter. Um, yeah, it's it's not been a very exciting year for. I know we hyped him up in the in the in the preseason, but. The results just haven't been there yet. And Adams, Adam was thriving kind of in that closer role. And then the other night he goes out and, you know, lets up a home run on a on a slider that, you know, has been a dominant pitch for him all season. So um, could be just a fluky thing. But I, I think in 12 teamers, I think you even you, you want to roster both Fairbanks and Adams right now and just just see how things play out. Because if one of them does take the closer role, we know how good this race team is and the and both how good both those pitchers are in general. So um, I think they're both whole. Yeah, I'd have to uh, agree on, on Adam and, and Fairbanks. I I think it's uh, pretty clear that both of them are going to factor into this bullpen for the foreseeable future. I think it's, I, I was, I was really concerned, honestly, when Fairbanks first went down that he would be out for the season. Cause it was like forearm stuff. So you always think Tommy John surgery. So I'm glad to see my guys back, but I, I think it's sort of unfair to say that he's not really lived up to the, what we expected of him. He really hasn't pitched enough to do that. This was the first game that he actually allowed any runs this season. So this is the first time we've seen him not really pitch well. So Sort of unfair to say that about my guy. I, I'm feeling per- personally attacked a little bit, but you know that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're they're probably going to split this role. Adam was the guy called upon to close out the game first. There were three blown saves in the game on Wednesday. First, Ryan Thompson, and then Adam came on to close the game out in the ninth. So he seemed to be the preferred option there. And then he blew the save, and then Fairbanks did the same again in the tenth inning to take the loss. So sort of disaster all around. Maybe it was their strategy for the day: try to blow the save and still come away with the win. You know, don't want don't want teams to think you're cheating. Cough, cough, Yankees. Um, excuse you, excuse you. This is this is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think they're definitely both rosterable right now because whoever wins out this battle, it does seem like the Rays are pretty set on using a set closer, which is 
bonkers. I don't think anybody was going to expect that before the season outside of us, but they've been using a set closer throughout the season and the Rays are the best team in baseball. And both of these guys are elite relievers. So whoever wins out here, I think is going to be definitely rosterable in a hundred percent of league. So I don't think you want to let go of either one of them yet until we figure out what's going on. Um, I'd love to see Pete Fairbanks start striking guys out though. That would definitely make me feel a little bit more comfortable about uh, still praising him. That would be nice. I would like to say I still think Fairbanks ends the season with more saves than Adam, or at least from this point on, he'll still lead the team in saves. But like you guys both said, it's going to be a 55-45 split in my mindset. Second one struggles, I don't think Cash is going to hesitate to flip to the other. So I think this might be one we talk a a little bit more throughout the rest of the season. The final additions to the team's pens real quick, see if it's any impacts. Brooks Raley, activated from the 15-day IL with left elbow information for the New York Mets. Garrett Crochet, activated from 15-day IL from his recovery from Tommy John's surgery. His first outing was actually Thursday as we're recording this uh, since 2021. So good to see both of them back. Does this have any sort of impact on your fantasy rosters? Raley is definitely... Definitely someone I'd still like in holds leagues, especially, you know, that bullpen is still, there's only three guys that they trust there. So really it gives them another dimension to, um, especially being from the left side. Crochet is interesting. I mean, he looked pretty good today. Uh, velocity wasn't bad for, you know, his first time pitching in two years. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how they use him. It sounds like they want to kind of stretch him out in, in a multi-inning role potentially so he's not pitching on back-to-back days and i you know also have to wonder if next year he's going to be a starter for that in that rotation so um but yeah i think crochet is someone to monitor and holds leagues while Rayleigh can actually you know help you out right away yeah and uh i don't know it could, it could be a while until crochet actually plays into hold situations and if it is a while then that bullpen's about to get a big addition next week Yes, that's a great transition. And the reminder, Liam Hendricks has been going through his rehab assignment. He actually was just returned to Chicago. I believe he's going to throw a live BP session on Friday, I want to say. And then his return will likely be very quickly after that. So by the time we're recording this next week, we all expect Liam Hendricks will be back in the White Sox roster. Any concern that he doesn't get the job right away with him? Um, I think that I feel like they have not, they don't have to give him the role, but I, I just feel like the expectations and just his track record. And I, I, I would imagine there's going to be some bumps at, at the beginning. It, it's been a while. It is kind of a crazy quick return. All things considered for, you know, it's pretty quick rehab assignment. And there was really n- not a ton of ramp up. I'm sure he was doing some stuff on the side, but I, you know, I, I, it could be a little rocky at first, but stick with them because this is, you know, still one of the better closers in baseball. And I'm sure the White Sox will be happy to have him back instead of, you know, debating between Ronaldo Lopez and Kendall Graveman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, those Australians are built different. You never know. I, I heard he was throwing BP to the nurses, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just a rumor. Look, if anyone's going to do it, I think Liam Hendricks is someone to do it. I'm sure he was bothering every nurse around him to have a catch, play catch, whatever you want to call it. We're not getting that debate on this show, but he's it's not he's ready to catch. Go. Yeah. We'll agree to this, but <laughs> it's it's good to see him back. He's one of the most electric relievers in baseball, one of the most fun players to watch on the field. So it's really exciting to have him back. I, I'm very happy to see that and happy he was able to make a, a real good recovery and beat. Any timetable, any of the three of us or anybody in the baseball industry could have expected him to do. And real quick, final news notes, if it has any sort of impact at all. MVP vote getter Ryan Tapera was designated for assignment from the Los Angeles Angels. Ryan Brazier designated for assignment from the Red Sox. And Javi Guerra was designated for assignment and outright finals from Tampa Bay. Does this have any impact for either of you guys at all? Oh, for as a Red Sox fan, the Ryan Brazier thing is, and <laughs> I mean, it's a long time coming. And I, I know Sox fans have re- rejoiced. It's you know, it's, we've suffered through enough with Brazier here. Um, to pair is a sad. That's kind of you know, I I really had high hopes after you know after the Angels signed him, and that's it's crazy to see how quickly that that he kind of fell out of favor there. Um, could be an interesting reclamation project, though. I, I feel like a team, you know, a team like the Rays or 
Brewers or something will take, will sign them or bring them in. He'll turn things around. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I was sad to see Javi Guerra go. I mean, just the, the way that you talk about the Rays, you know, taking anybody in and turning them into an elite reliever. I thought they would be able to do that with Guerra. He was just a guy that pumped gas and just didn't strike anybody out and had no control. And I thought maybe the Rays could do something with that. They were not able to do that, but he remains on the team. So hope is not lost. Let's take a little break. We're going to go get back and talk about some of the risers and followers and rankings before we get into our closer debates. So we'll take a quick break, get back with some of the risers and followers and ranks when we get back on In the Pen. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, as usual, we're going to go look at some of the risers and fallers in the rankings. Rick, as always, we're going to start with you. Who is your biggest riser in ranks from the past week? Uh, so I'll go with Ryan Presley on this list because I think, you know, he's kind of been turning things around. It's not like a, uh, a glaring, you know, oh, Presley's back situation, not no dominant weeks, but he's just slowly kind of putting things back together. And, um, you know, it's only two earned runs over the past month and that's 12 innings pitched. He's struck out 10 on that time span and he does have seven, seven saves. So. Since that span. So, I mean, uh, he's not, you know, the strikeouts are a little bit lower than what we've just come to expect from him, but the stuff plus loves him. PLV loves him. I think, you know, as long as he stays healthy and he's able to pitch, you know, in when, when needed, I, I think there could be a big second half for him. Um, but it's just comes down to his availability really. But, uh, the stuff's still there. That's what's that's the good that's the good news. And as again, just getting him on the mound and save situations will be the key. Yeah, he really just started turning it around right when it sort of like hit the precipice of Abreu taking over that role, and then Presley came out of the ashes and reclaimed that role. It's good to see for all the stuff we've talked about with him. I still have some concerns based on the stuff we've talked about in the past weeks, but it's nice to see him starting to come back into form. Maybe it was was just the early season. We want to ease this guy in considering he pitched in the WBC and has been injured in the past. So maybe now that we're in mid-May, it's time for him to ramp him up. So hopefully that's the case, but we'll keep a very close eye on Brian Presley going forward. Jake, we'll move over to you. Who is your big riser over the past week? Uh, I'm going to go with another guy that seemed to have been losing his closer role uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and that's Scott Barlow for the Royals. He was a guy that I think our whole podcast was very concerned about, despite him not losing the role. He started off very poorly to the season, and it really seemed like that on top of his reduced velocity and the resurgence of Araldis Chapman was going to be the perfect recipe to get him out of that closer role. But he's turned these around in the past two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. This past week, he got saves. His strikeout rate is up to 34%, and he's got his ERA down to 3.63. So he's sort of been on fire recently. That uh, strikeout rate is the highest of his career. So he's definitely figured something out despite the lowered velocity, which is still somewhat concerning. But, you know, it, it seems like he's got something going right since April 22nd, he's tossed 10 and two thirds scoreless innings with 16 strikeouts. So that's uh that's pretty impressive as well. He's walked just two batters during that time. And just considering the fact that he's been the closer for so long, that seems like a Mike Matheny thing to just, Oh wait, that's not even their 
manager anymore. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> so there goes that point. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he, uh, it, it seems like he's going to be the guy for um, until like, I don't know, his arm falls off because Chapman has been just old Araldis Chapman again, throwing 103 miles per hour, striking out everybody, uh, being dominant walking and intimidating everybody. on the mound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's back to walking everybody. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. well, and I guess that, that hope is, <laughs> is, is gone. So yeah, I mean, I think that that really makes it, you're, you just keep adding on to the point that Scott Barlow looks like he's, his role is pretty safe for now until he eventually gets traded. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's from a month ago. We were all ready to, you know, all right, Chapman needs to be the closer, get Barlow out mm-hmm. of there. And they've kind of done a, you know, a 180 here where, you know, Chapman is starting to kind of show some, 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 he's got eight, he's got eight walks this month in 6.1 innings. So, you know, I thought the walks might have been behind him, but yeah, here they come again. And, you know, eight walks, eight Ks and 6.1 innings is, you know, what we kind of <clears throat> saw from Chapman towards the end of his Yankee tenure. So, um, yeah, Barlow, that just adds to Barlow's, you know, roles is security in the in the closer role so um it's definitely for everyone who held on tight to, to barlow after the rough beginning um should be paying dividends now i am one of those guys so i'm very happy to see this but it, it is good to see and he's been he was one of my favorite targets for during draft season so it's nice to see him come around Roldis chapman will still have his spot i still don't think the royals are fully off him but it's nice to know that barlow is a Starting to regain the trust of Matt Quattaro. My big riser for the week, it's another one of a, it's a free agent signing. Will Smith, over his last four outings, he's gone three and a third. It's perfect scoreless innings, striking out seven during that span, picking up saves in all four of those outings. Each of the last four save opportunities have gone, gone to uh, the Rangers. Jose Leclerc has come in, but in blowout situations, his last outing was an 11-3 win over the Oakland Athletics. It's Will Smith's job. There's no more competition from Jose Leclerc. If he is available in any of your leagues, you need to go get him because this is a closer on a good Texas Ranger team. They're a first place team, which is, I didn't know something I could say at this point in the season, but good on them. We had that talk at the beginning of the offseason when they signed Will Smith. Can he play in this job? Not only is he playing in this job, he's winning this job. So go get Will Smith. He's looked really sharp over his last couple of outings, has taken this job and ran with it for the Rangers. Yeah, that's Smith's a guy for now. You you just roll with him. Um, I'm not sure the longevity. His fastball is just not good, but the slider's doing work right now for him. And, you know, uh, he's still. Fo- I think it was the Mariners. The last save he had against the Mariners. I was looking at the the um the strike zone plot, and I think he threw two strikes and struck out the side in order. Um, so <laughs> just he's getting guys to swing and miss out of the zone with a slider. Yeah, I I mean if it's working, it's working. So, and he's got the trust of his manager. So um definitely definitely worth the ad now if he's still available. Yeah, uh, definitely seems like the clear-cut closer out there. I thought maybe Jonathan Hernandez would start swooping into that role, but he never hasn't really gotten there. He's sort of actually been terrible this past week since I said that. Oof. Um, but yeah, I, I think the only concern with Will Smith right now is, I mean, he like you said, the fastball, but also he's just given up so many fly balls. He's got a 25% ground ball rate, which is one of the lowest in all of baseball that puts him in the third percentile amongst relievers. That's uh, not the good percentile. Um, but that does mean that the 5.6% home run to fly ball rate is likely to start turning around the other way, resulting in a few more home runs. And that's not really what you like to see out of closers. So he's not going to be pristine throughout the season. I think everybody knows that as a 33 year old reliever, but you know, right now he's got the role. It's a good team. He's got a history of being a closer. He's not that old and is he still is able to strike guys out. So I, I feel pretty confident that you know, it's a it's a solid hold right now. Yep, I couldn't agree with you. You more high, obviously. We'll go with those risers. Some people are gonna have to fall in the ranks. So Jake, we'll start with you this time. Who is dropping the most in your ranks over the past week? I mean, we we talked about the Rays, so I, I think I'll just keep it there. Uh, it's it's difficult to keep a closer that is uncertain 
high in the ranks. So I think it's pretty easy to say whoever the race closer is falling down right now because there's so much uncertainty between who's going to be the guy, whether that means they're splitting saves, Adam and Fairbanks, whether that means they're splitting saves and that pulls them down because their ceiling for saves totals is is lowered or one is poorer than the other or you know, I don't know. Whatever they decide to do, it's going to pull down somebody's ranking until we see one of those guys solidified in that role and pitching back to their normal uh, abilities. And then, you know, then they'll start re re rising in the ranks. But I think right now the uncertainty between who owns that role is reason enough to drop them down the ranks a little. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate too, because there's, they're both good relievers who, if they were, you know, clear cut closers on any other good team, you know, they're easily top 20, top 15, possibly even top 10 options when, when they're going right. So, yeah, it's just the uncertainty of the thing right now. And I, I still hope, you know, one of them, you know, especially Fairbanks. I want to see Fairbanks get it together just because we've seen the potential. We saw it last year. Um, If he really, you know, because he's got the role. We were The thing we were concerned about before the season was the role how is he going to be able to close you know close out the majority of games and he had it he probably has it still if he um coming back from injury it's just you know he needs to get this stuff back to to where it was before yep well said can't really add too much more we covered them a good portion at the beginning of the show so let's hope that uh one of them can take the job and we won't have to keep talking about the raise closers being down Rick, over to you. Who is your biggest follow over the past week? I keep flip-flopping on this guy, but um, Kenley, Kenley Jansen, you know, it was great to see him join the 400 save club last last week. You know, only seventh, seventh pitcher all time. That is, that's crazy. And he's definitely been one of the best closers, you know, in my lifetime. Um, and we saw, you know, we talked about him hitting 99 with his cutter, and then this past weekend, he's back down to 93. So, I Maybe he was just amped up in Atlanta. Maybe the gun was like extra hot or, you know, I don't know. It's just he, he it wasn't a good weekend for him. Um, and I know there was some, you know, shenanigans going on with Contreras stepping out on him and that kind of rattled him. But it's still kind of inexcusable to let up five earned runs on, you know, four hits, four walks and just getting three outs over the weekend. So um, I think we're just, you know, got to get used to just ups and downs with him it's going to be is he going to be healthy is he going to pitch well it's just going to be you know a lot of um hot and a lot of cold from him i think for the rest of the season and i don't think he's someone we can really trust as like an elite top tier closer right now yeah that's very fair there's just no nobody else in that bullpen that you're really worried at all that he's gonna lose his his role anytime soon so i think that's the only silver lining there is that even if he pitches this poorly, he probably is going to take a lot more to lose his role. But yeah, there's there's definitely concern where it's just like, yeah, that inconsistency. And I think a lot of it resides in his windup. Just getting the most out of out of his windup is is usually how he gets the most out of his, his pitches as well. So that'll be something to watch. I, I think he obviously sort of knows. I feel like he's got a pretty good feel of what is going wrong when he's pitching poorly because we've seen him have bad stretches in, in past seasons and sort of right the ship. So hopefully he can do that again. I mean, he's a very, very veteran pitcher, so he sort of has a feel for that kind of thing. So let's hope he can right the ship. You know, you want those Red Sox to be good. Sorry, Callen, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. You're welcome. Yeah. You know, Jake, you're really, you call the Yankees cheaters, Sorry. want the Red Sox to be good. Well, I'll take, who I'm, likes Yankees outside of Yankees fans? A lot of people. True of points. People. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> no, I know. It's it's fun to be the villain at, at some points. But yes. my final, the final faller for me actually dropped the most in Rick's ranks over the past week. It's Rizel Iglesias. Hopefully this is just, you know, your first couple outings off the IL jitters. But in two straight outings, both against Boston and Toronto, gave a combined four runs in just an inning and a third, only striking out two in that span, walking one. Fastball velocity has been a little bit down. His CSW is dropping at this point. 
there is concern just because it is Atlanta and they have the tendency of they'll make the quick switch. Al Glacius should be the guy. You saw what Minter can do in the role. You may know we have Nick Anderson's pitching well. And they're not a team who's going to hesitate to make a move by the trade deadline if they need to if Iglesias continues to struggle. Do I think he'll turn it around? Yes, we predicted him to lead the league in saves at the beginning of the season. So I think he'll be okay. And he's proven in the past. I'm not as too concerned about him yet. But just, you know, raise the the alarm bells a little bit or, you know, whatever the saying I'm trying to think of is, you know, keep an eye on it. There are some warning signs of what Iglesias done. He did pick up the save on Wednesday against the Rangers through a perfect inning to hold the 6-5 game. So hopefully that's the start of turning things around. But just a note to keep an eye on Iglesias. His start first couple outings back from the IL have not gone exactly how we would have hoped him to go. Yeah, it was good to see him bounce back uh, yesterday or Wednesday of this week. Yeah, um, the velocity did come back as well, so it alleviates some concerns. But yeah, you you never know of a guy who missed you know over a month with a, a shoulder injury. It's you know you want to kind of monitor things for the first couple weeks to see how he looks, um, what the stuff's like if he you know if he's getting strikeouts and whatnot. So. Um, I think I would probably, you know, it's, it's always tough. You're coming back. I, I probably should have lowered him to begin with just because of the, the the layoff. But, um, you know, this is a guy who when, when right, when healthy, he is, a, you know, one of the best closers in, in the game. And, um, I, I still like the long-term outlook, but yeah, it's, it's, we got to see how things play out the next week or so. Yeah, I, I think he just needs to get his feet back under him. I think he'll get back there. It may may take him a while to sleep, sneak back into your top five, but I think he'll get there eventually. He just sort of needs to warm up. It's hard to miss a month and a half and then come back and try to be the guy that you were for the past couple of years. But he's really been one of the best closers in all of baseball um, for an extended period of time, and that's all you really want. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident that he'll get back there at some point. Uh, looking at this bullpen, though, there are great options. Minter's really been unlucky this year, and Nick Anderson's um, been well, good too. But what is up with Jesse Chavez having the best season of his career at 39? The guy is striking out 29% of the batters. That's a career high, and he's got a 2.50 ERA and a career low 2.92 XFIP. That is so weird. At 39. I, I don't want to believe it. I don't believe it. I don't know. I, I Yeah, you're... <laughs> It is it is weird for sure, um, but yeah, it's good good for him. Um, yeah, you know, sure. it's kind of been save. He's been saving them early on in the season when they had some guys hurt. He he was a big de- he was a big factor there. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's gonna pitch until he's fifty if he's yeah, keeps right. doing this. Yeah, if anybody can do it, it's Jesse Chavez. He just it's one of the crazier stories of this point in the season. He's looked really good i think he's someone you should be impressed by i'm i'm, I'm liking what i'm seeing from him i, I agree with you he'll t- at least he'll turn things around he'll likely get himself back into the top 10 for sure if not the top five and rick's ranks and get back to being the reliever we all know he can be so we'll take one final break when we get back we'll start some debates we've done enough agreeing with each other let's see if we can have any debates of the best closer in each division you know both for fantasy and for real life just to you know, get some more debates going. We've been agreeing a lot lately. So all that and more, um, we get back on In the Pen. All right, with a little bit of news and all that stuff we had going on, we wanted to have a little fun, do some of these player debates. So we'll start out in the AL East. We're going to go division by division, talk about who is the best closer in each division, try and see where we can form a little bit more disagreement. So we'll start in the AL East. Rick, as the resident AL East expert, at least among you and Jake, who right now stands out to you as the best in that division? Yeah, so there's, let's say, I think there's two names that stick out, but uh, I'm going to still go with Felix Batista, and I know the walks have been crazy high this year, and that's, you know, I hate I hate that. I hate seeing that. I mean, um, for me, I, I want, you know, my ideal reliever will have a walk rate under 10% and he's at 16.5 right now, but the, but he's still getting swings and misses at a, just a phenomenal rate of 22.5% swinging strike rate. Um, you know, that's good for third in baseball right now. So 
I'm not too concerned about him uh, and the whip and the walk um, right now. I, I, I think, you know, hitters have just become a little bit more patient and that's led to some more walks, but it's still getting strikeouts at a high rate and the ERA is still at 1.35. And as good as Cano has been there, I, I think Batista is still the clear-cut closer and doesn't have anything to worry about yet. So I'll, I'll go with Batista as my, my favorite in the AL East. That's a good call. I wish I could go with Pete Fairbanks here, but unfortunately he really has not pitched enough. Um, I think I might have gone with him even if his ERA was sky high, uh, mostly for the memes. But <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's not too much of an argument here, right? You said Bautista sort of walks a lot of guys, but Jordan Romano is not really dominant enough to be named the the best closer in this division. I like he's he's great. He's got a barely fewer saves with them Bautista and he's been very solid throughout the past few years. So he sort of has that longevity a little bit over Bautista, but Bautista has been so dominant over the past couple of years. He strikes out so many guys. He's a, such a, a dominant force on the mound that I, I really don't think there's, there's too much argument here. Um, but who knows when fear, when Fairbanks gets, uh, gets used to the, the grind of the season and gets into it, who knows what he'll look like in the second half. Yep, I'll we'll sweep it. Felix Bautista is the guy for me. We you saw him on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. One of those, I forget which game now. It's everything is starting to blend together. He got Shohei Otani out, and not only Shohei Otani, he got him. He went into the Orioles clubhouse, told him he got him, asked for an autograph. That enough to me. You know the stuff. It's been great. Jordan Romano is the only other guy who I would think would get up in that conversation, but he's had his ups and downs as well this season. And I'm just, you know, I think the stuff of Felix Bautista plays out better than Romano. So I'll sweep it. Go with Felix Bautista. We'll go out to the AL Central. Jake, let's start with you, who is uh, probably the easier call, but who's the go-to in the AL Central? Well, it's an easy call if you're considering longevity here if you're considering the past few years if you're considering just 2023 i think you have a, a really really close debate between multiple guys i think the the clear call is emmanuel classe in cleveland he's been the one of the consensus consensus top three closers for a couple of years now and that sort of is continued into this season but he struck out just 15 percent of batters so far not including his save on thursday so that that's sort of really concerning especially when you're comparing him to the other two options here that have strikeout rates over 30%. I think Yohan Duran sort of fits that role of Felix Bautista where his, his stuff is absolutely incredible. He just hasn't gotten as many save opportunities as the rest of the guys in this division. And then Alex Lang has actually been quietly incredible throughout Ooh. the season. He's yeah. He's sort of in that, in that same boat as Duran where he's been really good, but he just only has seven saves because the Tigers don't win too many games, but he's got the highest strikeout rate and the lowest ERA. And I think if we're just going on this season, I think I'm going to go controversial, controversially Alex Lang. I think Duran's <laughs> got the best stuff, but I don't know. Alex Lang has looked like the best closer so far this year in the AL central. Yeah, he's gonna end up. He's gonna end up being their nomination for the All Star yep. game, just like yep. Soto mm-hmm. has been the past two years. So yep. he's got that at least going for him. But yeah, it's a All Star Alex Lang. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't even think about. It. I, I was torn between Clausey and Duran, and I think Clausey has opened up a door where you know before the season started, it would have been like Clausey, no doubt. But Clausey has kind of opened up a door with that. Yeah, that fourteen point eight percent K rate is good for two hundred and ninety second in baseball, which is, I, I mean, that's just bad. That's the, that's, it's crazy to think how, how good his stuff is that he's not able to strike anybody out. Um, and I, I think it, it opened up a door for Duran, but I, I haven't been overly impressed with Duran. I was hoping Duran would dominate. I thought this was going to be like the year where he kind of, you know, post like, you know, marked you know, his, his dominance and just kind of like, Hey, I am the next big, big reliever here. And he, it's not just the opportunities. It's he he's been he's been good. He hasn't been he hasn't been great. And I I think you know Classe still just the guy that I I I could see a big second half from Classe potentially. You know where he strikes out two guys a game and kind of brings that thing back to to I uh, to you know normalcy that K rate. But um yeah, Classe is still the guy for me here. But there's there, there are some interesting options everywhere. And then Hendricks when when Hendricks is back, then it's it just adds another name to this division. Yeah, when Hendricks backs and is at his peak, it's a very 
very difficult debate. For now, it's still a debate. Like you said, I like what I've seen Durant. Lang's been great. I agree. He's going to be the Tigers representative because he's been fat good, but also because Tigers got to have somebody. So you might as well put their closer, just like they've done every other year, essentially. But I'm still going for manual class A. I know strikeouts haven't been there. But like Rick said, I expect a full bounce back in the second half if it's even can be considered a bounce back. He's still been good. Strikeouts haven't been there. I, I expect did, him to get back to his form. Who did Rick choose? I, I'm going with Class A. Class A is okay. The, yeah, <laughs> I, it wasn't clear. <laughs> know, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, it's the right call at this point. But I do like uh, shouting out someone like Alex Lang. It's something that you know, just reminded of fantasy managers too. That if he's still out there, he's been that good. I know the Tigers haven't exactly been great, but they're picking things up in May. So save opportunities should be coming some more for for Alex Lang. Let's head out west, and we'll go to the American League West, where. I guess this is more of a, a debate than I would have thought at this point mm-hmm. in the season, but Rick, we'll start with you. Is it really, is it really a debate? I, I mean, is it not Zach Jackson? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I hope he makes the joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know there's two names here. I kind of was torn between both Paul Seawald and Ryan Presley. Um, but I'm going to go with Seawald. I, I, I like what he's done. I was just, side story i was at the red sox game on tuesday and he came in down six runs in the seventh inning and i'm sitting there like what is happening right now what are we what are we doing why is he pitching in this game um but yeah other, you know other than the weird usage there and like you know you know he should be their closer even when munos gets healthy even with that whole bullpen you know clicking and healthy I, he should be the only guy getting save opportunities and He's earned it. He he's pitched well over the past couple of years. There, he's really transformed himself. And you know, whips under one K rate at thirty two percent. PLV loves him five point five. That's eight good for eighth in baseball. Uh, I, I think Seawald's you know the guy here in the West. Yeah, there's nobody really overwhelming in this division where it's like a clear favorite, and it, it's definitely. It looks like it's between Presley and, and Seawald right now, though. Carlos Estevez has been really good this year, which is cool to see, uh, leaving cores and, and figuring something out. But I, yeah, I don't think he's got anything over Seawald. Um, so I, I think I'm going with him as well. He's sort of one of the most underrated relievers in, in baseball right now. I think nobody really considers him as like a top 10 guy, but the way that he's pitched this year and the way that he pitched last year, if you put those together, it's like, yeah, Paul Seawald's one of the best relievers in all of baseball, and nobody really talks about him at all in that conversation. Yeah, well, let's sweep it. Why not? I I think Presley, if he was fully his usual self, would take the kicks even slightly over Seawald. But you know, some of the concerns that we've mentioned throughout the season put him slightly below. It's close. It's probably more of like a one A one B situation between those two. But the stuff Seawald has, I it's been great and. He came and pitched at a uh, at PitchCon, or not pitch, spoke at PitchCon. So that gives him a little extra vote in my book. So we'll sweep it and go with Paul Seawald. <laughs> so that's an national a panel. Yeah. He's at a panel where he's just like pitching, <laughs> just watching him do a bullpen. Look, if if we can get that, that to happen, cool. yeah, if we could have that happen, I'm sure Nick would sign right up for that and let him throw a bullpen <laughs> for for us. So I, yeah. I I'd watch it. I'd say that for sure. Yeah, me too. Pitchcon sick. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Let's go to the NL East, where if it was a normal season, we had Edmund Diaz, it would be a slam dunk. But with him out for the season, it's an interesting debate at this point. So, who is your favorite for the National League East? Jake, you can go first on this one because there, I mean, this is a, this is pro- this was the toughest one for me. This division. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a, a crapshoot right now with all of the injuries. Like, I don't know, are we considering AJ Puck? I know he just went down, and like, I don't know. You said Edwin Diaz is down, but like, Jose, if, we're, if we're considering, yeah, if we're considering Alvarado. injured guys. Yeah, yeah. If we're considering Alvarado. all the injured guys like Jose Alvarado. I think I might have had over Edwin Diaz because the way that he was pitching, he was looking like one of the most dominant relievers of all time. Um, yeah, I mean, this is really hard now. Now we're like deciding between Kyle Finnegan and Craig Gimbrell with his six ERA and then David Robertson, who's been great, but is pretty old and Dylan Floro and Rizal Iglesias. I think if Iglesias had pitched more than four and a third innings, I would probably go with him. But I think right now it's clearly David Robertson. He's also quietly been really good recently. He's up to a 35% strikeout rate this year with a one ERA. And I don't feel like he's being talked about a lot, but 
among this group of, <laughs> I was going to say unsung heroes. I mean, nobody's a hero here, but uh, he seems like the the guy that's probably the one who's been the most dominant so far this year. But if we're considering, you know, a longer period of time, I think you go Rizzo Iglesias. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I have to have like a few asterisks here. It's like if we're not, if we're before the season starts, it's Edwin Diaz. Uh, once the season's, you know, if we're counting injuries in season, then Jose Alvarado. But if we're not counting either of those guys, if we're counting current closers, I'd have to say Iglesias. And even that, you're, you know, Robertson is has pitched the best. He's been the safest one here. Uh, or I mean, I mean, AJ Puck's been pretty good too in Florida. So or in Miami. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we're talking for, you know, moving forward for the rest of the season, it's, it's Iglesias for me. I, you know, it's still early. He's only pitched four, four and a third innings, but, um, as long as the velocity stays normal and, you know, he's still getting, he's getting swing swings and misses at a pretty good rate so far. And he's not, the good thing with him is, you know, what you're getting, he, he's not going to walk a lot of guys. He's typically around the plate so um you know i i'm a big fan i i i would take him over anyone in this division for the rest of the season yeah i'll agree i'll take iglesias i wanted to say someone like david robertson at this point but you know it's just he's just a consistent guy i'll, I'll take a, a little bit more upside obviously with iglesias so I'm, I'm gonna go with him we trust him at the end of the season four innings isn't enough for me to to back away yet so i'm still gonna hold on to him Vienna Central is up next, and they have probably four, or five guys possibly you can make a case for. If you, if you're Jake and want to talk about Michael Fulmer a little bit longer, <laughs> but you got four or five guys who, at the beginning of the draft season, were in the top ten, top twelve in terms of rankings. But who is the ultimate favorite out in out in the Central? Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, I guess it does kind of make sense when you look at it before the season started that this really was. I mean, there's four really good closers here. Um, and then, yeah, there could be a fifth one in, in Chicago, depending on if they would just let, you know, Adbar Alzole close out games. But I'm, I'm going to go with Devin Williams over Diaz and Bednar and uh, Helsley. I, I think Devin Williams, just consistency, the track record. I mean, he's been quietly dominant. I don't really, I haven't really heard anything. He's just been quiet this year. He's only got six saves. This, yeah. this Brewers team is um, underperforming once again. So. It hurts his save chances, but he he when he's on the mound, he's still been you know absolutely dominant. And um, yeah, there's not really much to say. We we know he's been he's been pitching this way for a while. So um, yeah, Devin Williams is is still my favorite um clo- reliever in baseball right now or closer. Yeah, right? yeah, that's 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 fair. I mean, I think this is the the toughest debate here because you know Ryan Helsley was so dominant last year, so it's like. Are we looking over the past two years? Devin Williams has the longest track record. Alexis Diaz might be the best strikeout pitcher in all of baseball so far this year. And then David Bednar is just unhittable, basically 0.56 ERA. So it's sort of just like pick your flavor. What's your favorite flavor? Uh, My favorite flavor is strikeouts. So (laughs) uh, I I think Alexis Diaz has just been so incredible this year. Uh, Pitching in core or in yeah, basically course great American ballpark on just uh, a terrible team that can drag you down a little bit, but that hasn't slowed him down at all. He's leading this division with 10 saves and he also is striking out 49% of batters through his first 16 innings, which is absolutely incredible. And he's just been super dominant. He's making up for the lack of Edwin Diaz by basically becoming his brother. And that, that's really awesome to see. Um, I, I think I David Bednar might be my number two here, but I mean it's it's all uh, those those three Bednar Williams and Diaz have been really incredible this year, so it's it's really hard to choose. My personal favorite is uh, Vanilla. It's bland, but you know what you're gonna get from him. It's you can't really go wrong with it, and that to me is Devin Williams. It's a lot. Changeups great. You know the stuff's great, and all these guys are very good. Like you said, you can make a great case for Diaz. You can make a great case for Bednar. Heck, Presley is going to likely turn things around and he's got electric stuff, but you know what you're going to get from Devin Williams. That changeup is just nasty. Pitched for Team USA and looked like his usual self. The saves are going to get there. This NL Central is just wide open in terms of competitiveness. I think the Brewers are still going to be, while underperforming, right up there in terms of uh, 
trying to win that division, which will likely lead to more save opportunities for Will Williams. So I'm still going to go with him. He hasn't done anything yet this year to stand out in terms of get, making me worried about him. And you know, I, I'll trust him more than any of these guys, but it's, it's a great bulk of division for closers, unlike for uh, competitive baseball teams. And to wrap it up, we'll go out to the NL West where I, I don't know. This is a, another kind of a, I mean, you have one guy who kind of stands out, but we weren't too high on him. So is anyone going to be bold and go against the grain there? I feel like Jake is, but I'm going to take Josh. <laughs> what I, makes you think I, that? I don't know. I'm going to take Josh Hader <laughs> though. I know there's one other guy. Camille Duvall has been pitching really well lately. Um, but I'm going to go Hader. It's, you know, he's bounced back from last year's horrific July, August, um, you know, that whole thing where we were wondering is, is this the end? Maybe, but, um, he, he's back to, and you know, the strikeouts kind of, the strikeouts aren't where they used to be, but I'm perfectly content with a 36% strikeout rate. It's not, you know, 40 plus like it's, we were used to seeing from him. But as, as long as the ratios are going to be, you know, if he's, he's got an ERA of one right now, whip of 0.72, I'll gladly take the 36% K rate. And, um, yeah, he he's really bounced back this year, and I hope he can continue it. But you know, it's there's always weird, weird things always happen to him in August. I've saying this in the past. He's he's got a really bad track record in August, so just watch out for that. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to say Camilo Duvall here, he's got very comparable numbers to Josh Hader this year, but Josh Hader sort of has those extra check marks. He's walking fewer batters. He's got a lower whip. Uh, he's got at least a better track record as long as you're not counting the second half of last season. Camilo Duvall has been great. I think he's better than Evan Phillips, but I think Josh Hader takes the cake here. I would agree. I'll go with Josh Hader. The track record is just hard to bet against. And well, while he's had those rough months and one for two in the past, maybe it'll come up again this year, but the way he's pitching right now, he's not going to get back. So you said to the old Josh Hader where he's the best closer in baseball, but he's still, top five in my mind in terms of both real life and fantasies stuff's really good shout out to Duvall and uh, hopefully that the you know none of us wanted to be bold and go Scott McGuff for Miguel Castro none of us wanted to, to make uh, that call <laughs> I was going to say is there a clear cut third guy probably Evan Phillips I guess uh, uh, yeah, yeah I guess so Daniel Bard no he's nowhere to be seen no <laughs> yeah unfortunate but hmm. yeah I'll stick with Josh Hader and you know interesting it's definitely interesting to look at those divisions one by one and go through mm-hmm. that in terms of uh seeing who's the best and guys we should be you know looking into and i think we found some good uh guys to keep an eye on buying low sort of situations but we'll wrap up like we always do like we've been doing lately with another edition of name that closer so jake take it away Yes, sir. So uh, this one sort of picked itself, and I actually I didn't know when I chose him, but today is this closer's birthday, so that <clears throat> probably gives it away. <laughs> but uh, I, it does allow us to, you know, celebrate this guy in multiple ways. But yeah, this closer was uh, born in Mexico. He played from 2007 to 2021, and he debuted with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you guys were already mentioning prior to the podcast that you think you already know who it is. Was this the point where you knew who it was? Uh, Mexico and debuting for the Royals in 2007. Yeah. I needed a little bit mm-hmm. more, but once I once I started thinking about it, I was able to get it. Uh-huh. I might not be yeah. right, though. I, I'm still debating because we'll of all these teams he's pitched for. I'm trying to think if he actually pitched for it. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy was a right-handed pitcher that was an all-star by his second season in 2008. That was also what many consider to be his best season. He tossed 67 and a third innings with 66 strikeouts and a 1.60 ERA, a 0.86 whip and 42 saves. Pretty incredible uh, sophomore campaign there for for this guy. And uh, then he had his second all-star appearance just two years later by 2010. by 2010 and then he never had any more all-star selections 2010 he had a 1.78 era and 43 saves so he was really dominant his first few years uh his accolades include those two all-star appearances finishing seventh in 2007 al rookie of the year award voting and finishing 10th in al cy young award voting and 19th in al mvp voting in that aforementioned 2010 campaign 
like Rick said, he pitched for a lot of other teams outside of Kansas City. He had two cents in Kansas City, but he also pitched for the Texas Rangers, the Detroit Tigers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago White Sox, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Oakland A's, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Toronto Blue Jays. So the usual life for a, a long-lasting reliever is that you'll pitch for a lot of teams, and that was the case for this guy. And he wrapped up his career with 18.6 baseball reference war, a 3.11 ERA, and 229 mm. saves, which is good for 42nd all-time. You guys <laughs> want to take a guess? It's uh, it's Joachim Soria, right? Joachim, yep, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, good job. Yep, you're correct. Yeah, the well the Royals and the the yeah the the time rent frame. Yeah, I just didn't realize he pitched for that many teams. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember him in an era. I remember him in Oakland. I remember him in Toronto for a second. Mm-hmm. But like Detroit, I'm trying to remember. Like, yeah, yeah I don't remember any Detroit <laughs> stint. I don't yeah, really. Or like Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's. I barely remember. I think them. he like followed up after Valverde. Oh man, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, I've, yeah, a couple of those. Oh, that's a good name. Don't, Texas don't side, <laughs> Texas, I don't remember at all. Which might have been like early in his career. I bet. I Texas, remember. I remember a little bit. Yeah, that was earlier. Yeah, yeah, Milwaukee, I don't remember. Chicago, I barely remember. Like it's just those teams yeah. like that. But once you start seeing all the teams, I'm like I feel like I remember hearing this guy bouncing around throughout his career. So, yeah, great career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember him in 08 pitching that uh, Yankee Stadium All Star game. Yeah, he was a uh, that was a fun that was a fun one. Yeah, that's definitely a name who I've not thought of much lately. So it's always fun to hear guys like that. This happy birthday, Joaquin! Happy birthday, yeah. Joaquin! Some teams that uh, you've been on probably could use you right now. But that's gonna do it for this episode of In the Pen. If you're looking to interact with us, as always, you can find the show on Twitter at In the Pen Pod. If you want to suggest a name for Name That Closer or ask general questions, you can hit up any of us up on Twitter. Do it individually. We don't want to give it away, but you find me on Twitter at Callan underscore Elsliger. Rick, Jake, why don't you plug uh, your Twitters as always and talk about any any further work you got coming up? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, nothing, nothing new outside of the the reliever ranks um, and the reliever ranks articles, as well as you know, closing time hold up and saves plus holds articles. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all we got going on here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a pretty tame month of May. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. But outside of that, you know, just doing the weekly reliever ranks article and recording the weekend editions of the first pitch podcast and also my personal podcast free baseball. But if you just want to find all of my work, it's on crumplerbaseball.com. A lot to look forward to this coming week. Hopefully we'll get some Liam Hendricks highlights and get him back into the fantasy baseball sphere. A lot of things to look forward to, and hopefully by next week we'll be talking about him and some of the other committees. Hopefully things get uh, figured themselves out. Maybe we'll get AJ Puck back and a lot more to look forward to. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of In the Pen, and we'll catch you next week.